Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. Hey, good morning. If I've not met you yet, my name is Jeff uh, Peterson. My wife and I are honored to be the founding lead pastors of Authentic Church. Uh, We moved here from Texas two years ago uh, to plant what would become this, and uh, we are the only human beings that moved from Texas to California in the last two and a half years, (laughs) and we're so glad we did. And if you're thinking about moving to Texas, I just want to encourage you, don't do it, don't do it, I'm telling you. You're in the great spot, right? This is there's there's warriors rising up on the coast here, and you guys are a part of what God is doing, and we're just grateful to run with you. Um, and uh, yeah, like Ali said, she was talking about the uh, the camp ships. If you have kids, um, and it's maybe a little bit of a financial stretch uh, for you to send them to camp, one of our models is every child goes to camp. And so uh, we have camp ships that are coming in, scholarships uh, for kiddos. And if you want to give towards that, like Ali said, you can do, go online. There's a little drop down there, and you can do that. Um, but, uh, but welcome to Authentic Church. I love getting together with the family of God. There's nothing sweeter than just coming into the presence of God. And you're here today, and, and you know, sometimes when we're new to an atmosphere like this, like I grew up, I grew up Catholic, all right? So this would have been very awkward for me as a good little Catholic boy. Um, but I grew up Catholic, in, in when I, but I, I, I knew about God, but I didn't really know him, right? Like I learned the stories in Catholic school. My uncle was a priest, right? You know, I was an altar boy. I wasn't the best one, but I was an altar boy. And, uh, and I knew about God, but I didn't really know him. And there was, there was a God-sized hole that's in me that's in all of us where I'm like, I want to know him more. And, and I have a lot of questions I was that kid, I just had a ton of questions, right? And my wife and I, we have five kids and, and I have kids that are like me and they have a lot of questions and they don't stop talking about their questions sometimes. And so anyways, but I just had a lot of questions that I wasn't getting answered and so that led me down a path that led me to a journey of a church that's kind of like this where people were just really passionate about the presence of God and passionate about the things of God. And um, I remember walking in and you know, I walked in, man, I was filled with so much shame. You know, I was a single dad my girlfriend came to me at 19 years old and says, hey, surprise, we're pregnant. And uh, it was kind of one of those moments. And, uh, and so we went down different rabbit trails of what we could potentially do. We ended up having that child, and my daughter is now 25 years old. And, um, and so I, but it was, it was a challenging season. So here I am, you know, a single dad in it and trying to figure out my life. And I walked into a church service like this. And I had an encounter with God. And I didn't know how to put, I didn't have verbiage. I didn't have words to what I felt. But it was like I felt this feeling of peace. I was kind of emotional, but it wasn't a sad emotion. It's like a good emotion. You know, it's kind of like your soul gives you a hug. <laughs> it's kind of like one of those moments. And, and I, I had this encounter with God. And, uh, and, and through the course of time, I would feel more comfortable in that environment. At, at the beginning, it, it kind of weirded me out. It was like, I was, it was kind of freaked me out, but then I was also kind of leaning in like, this is unique and these people are unique, but man, there's something here. And then I would lean back. And so I was the guy that would like arrive at church, you know, 
right as worship's ending, right before the pastor preaches, you know, like I was that guy that slipped in the back and felt very comfortable in the back row until people were like, hey, we saved a seat for you right up here, right? And it's like, well, then I'm Mr. Awkward walking down to the front to sit in the safe seat, you know? And so I started coming early. And by the way, worship is not the warm-up for the word, the preaching of the word. Uh, the most important thing we can do as a church body, the, the, God gets the most glory in our worship. Like, nothing I say today is gonna surprise God. <laughs> you know, like, he's not like, wow, Jeff, that's an amazing thought. Like, there's nothing here that's that impressive to him. But man, when we worship, it says that our praises go up, and it's like incense. It's like a fragrant offering where he's just like, that's my kids. And he loves, and he's drawn to that. James says that when we draw near to God, he draws close to us. And so maybe if you're here today and you, you might feel a little bit distant from God, I just want to encourage you, you're closer than you think. You say, well, you don't know what I've done, or you don't know, I, I don't, you're right. But God does, and no matter what we've done, he promises in his word that when we just draw near, if we just lean in a little bit more to him, he leans right back into us and says, what's going on? And he wants to speak to us today. So we're, we're gonna get into the word of God, and um, we've been going through a series that we titled Jesus People. It's a bit of a, a wink and a nod to the Jesus People movement that happened here, right here in this epicenter of this region of Southern California back in the 70s. And it's celebrating what God did, but really, I'm more excited about what God's going to do, you know? It's like, that was great for that generation. I wasn't from that generation. Maybe you weren't either. Um, and I'm grateful for all the churches and ministries that were birthed out of that. That's great. But I believe that God has something he wants to do now in this season, in this area, in our lives, in our families' lives, in our church, in this region. And so we're leaning into that. And, you know, um, I hope that through the series that all of us are really like catching the vision of Jesus, that we would catch a vision of what he looks like and uh, his, his, just his compassion, his love, his power, his dominance, <laughs> uh, his care, the way he engaged with people. And, um, and my, my hope is that within this all that you're gonna have a fresh vision of what Jesus looked like and have a fresh vision for your life. Anytime in, in life when we lack passion, uh, we really lack purpose, right? And when we lack purpose, it's really because we lack vision. Vision is the catalyst of that feeling of, man, I got purpose to get up out of bed in the morning, right? To see if you, for those of you that are the workout kings and queens in this room, and I know there's a few of you that are the 5 a.m. crews, right? And you guys get to the gym, like you have a vision of what you want your body to look like. Some of us don't have that vision, but, but you have a vision for what you want your body's strength, energy to look like, right? And... Um, and you have a vision. So that vision gives you a sense of purpose to set your stuff out the night before. Some of you, right, you got your clothes, you got your cool Nike outfit or your Under Armour or whatever, and you're ready to work. You got your gym shoes laid out. You're ready to go. And when you get up in the morning, you, you, sense that, you feel that sense of passion. Why? Because you have a bigger vision. Well, that's no different than any other area of our life. When we're lacking passion, it's because we lack purpose, which really we're lacking vision. So hopefully today and in the course of this series, we're catching a glimpse of the vision, the dream that God has for all of us. Um, back in the business world, before I, I launched into uh, pastoring full-time with Authentic Church, um, I've been serving God for over 20 years now. In fact, uh, this weekend, yesterday, would have been my anniversary of accepting Christ 23 years ago. And my Jesus birthday, 23 years ago. And I remember I went to this Christian concert 
uh, with, with my Christian friends, like I put my Christian hat on. Anybody have the Christian friends where it's like, okay, I'm putting that hat on. I'm not going to talk about that movie, right? I'm not going to tell you, right? Language cleans up a little bit. And so, you know, the, the, they had no idea the week before I was at that same concert venue. It's the Gorge at George. It's the Gorge, it's the George, the Gorge Amphitheater. Excuse me. It's one of the best spots to watch a concert. It's epic. It's up in Eastern Washington. It's carved into the hillside, natural amphitheater. It's gorgeous. It's amazing. Overlooks the Columbia River. And I was there. And I had this moment with God. Well, they didn't know the weekend before I was there at a concert. It was, you guys are going to laugh. It was Dick, Dixie Chicks and Tim McGraw. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, man, they were cool, man. They were cool. I, you know, so Tim McGraw and the Dixie Chicks, and I'm there for that concert the week before. And it's like, yeah, you know. And then I'm coming in with my Christian friends, and it's like, yes, praise God, you know. And, uh, but in that moment, despite my faking it, right, despite, trying to put on a face, God just like cut through all the veneer, like just pierced my heart, you know, pierced my heart with his word and even with the songs that I thought were ridiculous and a little weird, to be honest with you. Like he just pierced my heart and I had an encounter with Jesus. And that's what we all need if we're, if we're really honest in this room. Like we need encounters with Jesus. And, and you know, Jesus had a job title in, in uh, in, in Acts 4.12, we, we get this, that there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Jesus is the Savior of the world. That's, that's like his job title. And, you know, back in my, my working days, uh, I had ran different companies, and God blessed some business things that we had done. And, and I'd, I've literally hired and fired probably close to 1,000 people. I've interviewed well over 1,000 people, and I'd looked at thousands and thousands of resumes. And... Um, and in, in looking through that, uh, I've seen the most unique job titles. Anybody ever see some of the job titles? Like if you're on LinkedIn and you're like, what in the world? I don't even know. Like it used to be really simple. Like the person was like, I'm a salesperson. I'm a sales director. Okay, I kind of have an idea of what you do, right? And then now it's like, you know, Jedi of customer engagement. Like, you know, and you're like, so I, I went actually on, I went online and I pulled just to see like, hey, what, you know, what are the kids talking about these days? And so I pulled some of the funniest job titles. Uh, one of them was Education Center Nourishment Consultant. That's a school lunch server. That's really what they did. But it's Education Center Nourishment Consultant. Or here's the gas station attendant that got super, like, if you don't think that there's a creative writer in you, trust me, go look at LinkedIn on job titles. There's a creative writer in every person on there, right? You know, the, the gas station attendant, his title was Petroleum Transfer Engineer. <laughs> the Nordstrom's Personal Shopper. Customer Experience Enhancement Consultant. Wow. Uh, this one was great. Gastronomical Hygiene Technician. He's a dishwasher, <laughs> gastronomical hygiene technician. Then uh, domestic te technician, the housewife. The, the field nourishment consultant, field nourishment consultant. Uh, you're a waiter. Anybody ever waited tables? I'm a firm believer that every single person on the planet should work in food service as a waiter or a busboy at some point in your life. <laughs> you will learn to serve. You will have people just... <laughs> Make you love Jesus so that you can make it through the day. <laughs> so Jesus' job title, he's a, he's, he's a savior of the world. But his description was laid out in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. It says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. Come on, we need the Holy Spirit of God in our lives. He anointed Jesus of Nazareth with Holy Spirit and power. Then Jesus 
went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. And that's, that's the job description of the church, by the way. Jesus actually boils it down a little bit more in Matthew 10, 8, when he sends out the disciples. This is actually the first scripture God ever spoke to me where I felt like I had an impression like the Lord told me to turn to a certain scripture. Like, you know, growing up Catholic, I would love to tell you that I knew the Bible, but I really did not know the Bible much. I didn't open it to read, really. It just kind of sat there collecting dust. But I remember one time as, when I was newly saved and the Lord said, turn to Matthew chapter 10, and it's all about him sending out his disciples into the world. And Jesus says this, and this is for you and me. He says, I want you to go out and want you to heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you've received I want you to freely give. We want, he's sending us out to heal. <clears throat> he's sending us out to cleanse. He's sending us out to raise that which was dead. He's sending us out to cast out the demons that every demon has to flee. Freely you've received, freely give. And uh, I've lately going through this series, my prayer is we've titled this Jesus People, Remembering What God Has Done But Believing There's More to Do. <clears throat> Excuse me, my prayer has been in Habakkuk 3.2. The prophet Habakkuk prayed this prayer. He said, Lord, I've heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. But Lord, I want you to do them in my day. Renew them. Renew them in our day. In our time, make them known in your wrath. Would you remember mercy? Do them in our day. Like that just stirs me. So I'm gonna pray and we're gonna jump into the word of God. And I just wanna encourage you as I pray, I want you to just... Join with me in prayer and lean in. Let's hear whatever the Holy Spirit has to say to you. And so, Lord, we just come before you this morning and we thank you that your word is life. Jesus, I thank you. You're gonna do what you always do. <laughs> you got an on-time word that's in season that's perfectly custom-tailored for every single person in this room. And so, Lord, we just lean into you and we say, speak. We wanna hear your voice. Lord, none of us came to hear a man speak. We all came today to hear you speak. So speak, Lord. God, I just pray that you touch our minds, remove distractions from our minds and our hearts. We lean in, we draw near to you, and we thank you for drawing near to us today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Well, in your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 5 with us. Luke chapter 5. And this records the incredible story of Jesus calling his initial disciples. So Jesus is calling his initial disciples, and he has this moment where people are starting to follow him, words getting out about him, and he goes over here. And this is his first encounter that we know of with Simon, who would later be known as Peter, and the early disciples. And it says in verse 1, One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed on him to listen to the word of God. Jesus saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them, and they were washing their nets. Little side note there, good disciples, they were already showing themselves to be faithful. Even though they didn't catch anything, they knew that to, to catch things in the future, they'd have to take care of what they got right now. And so despite not getting a catch, they had nets that they brought, and they were cleaning them, preparing them for next day. There's a, there's a leadership lesson there in our lives about faithfulness. Verse three, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him, he said, hey, can you put out a little bit from the land? And then Jesus sat down and taught the people from the boat. Now, something you should know, it's like, why did he sit down? Well, well, there's an aspect of being able to project his voice off of the water, et cetera, to everybody that's hearing. But it was also very customary for a teacher, a rabbi, to actually teach from a place where they would sit down, comfort, and it was more conversational. 
And so Jesus sits down and, 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 and in the boat and, and he says, it, he speaks to them for a while. And then in verse four, it says, when he had finished speaking, then he says to Simon, he looks over and says, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've, <laughs> we've toiled all night. We, we took nothing. We, we've been fishing. Like, I do this for a living. Like, you're a rabbi. I'm a fisherman. Like, <laughs> stay in your lane. Like, this is what I do. Like, we've been doing this all night long. And by the way, if you look at the sun right now, it's up in the sky. We have nets. Like, the fish don't like coming to our nets when they can see them. And right now, it's not dark, so they can see them. Like, stay in your lane. We've been working all night, Jesus. And then they make this statement, but at your word, I will let down the nets. But at your word, I'll let down your nets. We'll come back to that. Verse six, and when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. <laughs> Sometimes God will bless you to the point that what you thought was so great, that dream that you had, he'll, he'll actually bless you so much that you can see it and get it and taste it and do all the stuff that you wanna do and then you go, that's not it. Despite all of this, there's the poverty of riches, I call it. And you've done the things, you've done the trips, you've got the car, you've done, but there's still something that just says, yeah, that's, that's not it. There's something bigger here. He's got a bigger dream than your dreams. Verse seven, they signaled to their partners in the other boat, come and help us. And they came and they filled both boats so that they began to sink. So they filled two boats and the boats began to sink. They Blessing of God filled two boats and they began to sink. We're gonna, this is a bit of a two-part message on this thought, on this scripture. We're gonna preach the next Sunday. I'm gonna talk to you about having a recession-proof life and the blessing of God for the commission that he's given us. And so this is part one, but next week we're gonna kind of camp out on that a little bit more. Verse eight, but when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish that they had taken. And, all, and so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you're gonna be fishing for people. Matthew 4, 19 tells the same story and he says it this way. He says, from now on, you're gonna be fishers of men. Verse 11, and when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. I titled this message Called and Chosen, Called and Chosen, and I just wanna give you a little bit of a, a background. You know, we read this story and Jesus says, come follow me, and these guys drop their nets, and it's almost like they're robots, right? If you've ever watched one of the films or you read the story, and it's like, that's so odd. Like, if I walked into your office and I said, Randy, you're an amazing person, uh, put down your laptop, come and follow me, you'd be like, uh, are we going to lunch? Like, what, you know, like, what, you know, come and follow me. Like, what are you talking about, right? So we read that text and it's so kind of odd, right? But when you understand the context of it, and when you understand that to those, those boys, those fishermen, those ragtag group of disciples, and you understand the culture in that day and age, like the rabbis, they were the most revered people in society, Right? It's like they, they wouldn't have a poster of Patrick Mahomes throwing a football on their wall in their bedroom, right? They would have like Rabbi Benzikin, you know, or who, whoever the rabbi was. Like, you know, they, like the rabbis were so revered, so respected, so admired, so looked up to. 
By the way, that was one of the reasons why I think the Jewish people were so blessed is because they knew how to honor their mother and father and honor people of authority. Side note. But so here the rabbi, Jesus, calls them. And so they're having this moment. But see, these disciples, they're working as being fishermen. Now, if you were a Jewish boy, the goal would have been, the desire, the dream that your parents had for you would not have been necessarily to become a fisherman. Although that's a great trade. There's nothing wrong with being a fisherman. But man, if I could have you do anything, son, it would be for you to study and one day maybe become a rabbi of your own, like, like the rabbis that lead us here. And so that was the goal. So the kids would go to school, and, and their school system, they had Beit Sefer. Sefer means house. So it was, uh, uh, Beit means house, excuse me. Sefer uh, means the book or uh, schoolhouse. And so it was literally they would go to the house of the book, and they would study at a young age what would be like our elementary school. Okay, so from, from six years old to about 10 years old, they would go to Beit Sefer. And they would study the first five books of the Bible. They called the law, the Torah, the Pentateuch. That's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And one of the tests that they always did with their students is that at the time that you would get to the point where you're nearing graduation, they would quote, the rabbi would begin to quote a scripture, and you would have to tell them where that's at and finish it. So you're talking Leviticus 23, verse 7, and the rabbi spouts it off, and you got to pick it up, and then you can pass. Like, those are the type of tests that they had, right? And so, so you would go through school, and, and you would learn, and you'd study, and you'd memorize, and you'd go through Torah class and everything else, and then you'd get to the end of it, and you would have tests like that. Now, if you're like me, you know, when, when, you, when you got to test time in school, like, I, my, my mind just went blank. Like, I was a pretty good student, but suddenly I'm taking a test, and it's like you just have a brain fart, and it's like, uh, it's like not loading, you know? And so I, I didn't test very well in school, but I did really good on all the other assignments and everything. But man, in this society, in that day and age, if you didn't test out wealth with the rabbi, you, you, you tested out of the school system, and at 10 years old, it's, well, Johnny, you're going to go and start training with uncle so-and-so or with dad or whatever, and you're going to learn a trade. And the primary trades were fishing. It was uh, barley, the wheat harvest, and then also olive oil, pressing of olives and, and using that. And they would barter trade and sell those types of things. And so you would test out. Well, if you were really good, then you would go on to Beit Talmud, uh, house of learning. Talmud is learning. And that would go from about 10 to 15 years old. So from 10 to 15 years old, it's like think of it like junior high or high school, right? Now, people are getting married back in those days at 15 years old. So it's like high school, okay? And so they're, they, they would go through their, their years there with Beit Talmud, and then they would study the rest of the scriptures. And so they would be studying all the, the history books, the poetry books, the, the prophets, and you would go through that. And then at the end of that, you would have a big test that would culminate with something similar to what you did in testing out of Beit Sefer. You would test out, and you'd have to quote scripture and chapter and everything else in terms of where they would open the scroll and they would read out of Isaiah, and you'd have to finish the sentence. And so you'd go through that. Now, by this time, most of them are like, tap out, I'm done, it was a great try. I'm not gonna be a rabbi, <laughs> okay? And so a lot of them were going in now to the family trade, but man, mom and dad are proud of you. You gave it a good shot, way to go, son. And then now you're learning a family trade, like fishing. But to the best of the best, like the real sharp ones, like I'm talking like Harvard elite, right? The best of the best, then they would continue on into Beit Midrash. And that's where they would find and they would work closely with a rabbi and they would essentially become a disciple of the rabbi. 
and you would go, you would find a rabbi whose teachings, who per, you admire, you know, it's no different than coming to a school like this. There's some professors that you're really like, man, they're awesome. There's other ones you're like, I really want to avoid that class. <laughs> and so you would go and you'd find the rabbi. And there's a few favorites that we read about uh, in, in historical documents of early church history. But they would go and they would meet with the rabbi. And if the, if the rabbi took a meeting with you, a lot of times he'd go and talk to your teachers and find out a little bit about you because it's like you're, you're like applying for a job, right? You're, you wanna, you're gonna apprentice under him. And you'd meet with him and then he'd test you out. And then if you passed, he would say, come follow me. And when he said, come follow me, he's not just saying, hey, come and sit under my teachings. He's literally saying like, I believe in you. I believe that what I do, like I see a spark in you that's so special. I think one day you can do what I do. And I'm gonna teach you everything I know. I'm gonna give you all the tips of everything and how I do and interacting with people and I'm gonna teach you the, the, the nuances of faith that you've never experienced before. I'm gonna show you this and you're gonna follow me around. And, and, and so that, that come follow me, it was one of the sweetest words that a young Jewish boy could hear. Well, here's Peter, Simon at this time and his brother and some friends and they're all fishing. What aren't they doing? They're not following a Jewish rabbi, right? So somewhere along the line, we don't know if it was age 10 or 15, but somewhere in there, uh, they, they, they were tested out of the system. They were thrown out of the system and it's like, you're not the good enough, you're not the smart enough, you need to go learn a trade, I hope you can fish. And, and Peter, I mean, the only time we really hear about him catching fish, <laughs> The only time he actually caught something was when Jesus kind of goes, wink, and there comes the fish, right? You know, like, like in, in the scriptures, you, you go through the scriptures, you're gonna be hard pressed, to, hard pressed to find a scripture that says he was a talented, gifted, amazing fisher. Like, it's just what he did, right? And sometimes we can do something that's familiar, familiar to us, but it's not necessarily God-ordained in the God purpose that he has for us. And today, we're gonna lean into a little bit on God's calling on your life. God's calling on all of our lives. Calling is linked to destiny. You know, Peter, if he really worked really hard, maybe he could have got to the point where he would have been like, you're one of the top five fishermen in all of the Sea of Galilee. Everybody raves. You're famous spreading throughout the land. You are the expert fisherman, right? Like, you know those, like, I got a friend of mine that's, like, into fishing. You know, my son really wants to learn fishing, which fishing, honestly, it's fun to, it's fun to cast. I like, I'm not so much a fisherman, but I like catching stuff. I don't like to fish. I just want to throw my line in and catch something really quick, you know? And so my son, he could sit on the shore just, you know, for hours, right, doing that, right? I got a buddy of mine that's into it, right? And then there's those people that are kind of like a next-level fisherman that watch, like, like the Bass Pro Channel and stuff like that where they're watching guys sitting in a boat fishing for hours and talking about their line, their lure. That's next level, right? Peter could have been that guy. Like he could have been like rock star fisherman going through the town. Everybody knows who, is, who he is. Everybody wants to buy him a beer because, man, you're, you're Peter. You know, I want to learn from you. He could have been that. But that, that wasn't his destiny. Destiny trumps whatever you might feel uh, good about. It might... It might you, you might have uh, a, a sense of where you feel like, man, this, I'm, I'm good at this. I have a talent. I have an ability. Well, your destiny is going to trump whatever that, that thing out there is. And when it comes to walking in our destinies, uh, you know, the, the limpness test is, is this bringing more glory to God at the end of the day, or is this going to bring more glory to me? If it's going to bring gl more glory to me, the limpness test says, well, then that's probably not 
God's destiny for my life. If it's going to bring more glory to God, that's, that's the destiny. That's the destiny. And so um, God calls Peter. And you look at this ragtag group of guys, and it's funny. It's actually kind of comical. Jesus is God. And he could have had his pick of the litter. Like, I'm talking, he could have assembled the all-star cast, right? He could have assembled, like, the Pro Bowl NFL team to go play against, I don't know, I don't want to say my team because they're horrible right now, but the New York Jets. Let's say, let's pick on the New York Jets. He, you could, and it's just like, there's no contest. There's no contest. He could have assembled the greatest minds, but he picks these dudes. Like, he sees something special inside of them that other rabbis says, not good enough. And I don't know about you, but there's times I've gone through my life, I felt like the not good enoughs. I felt like the marginalized a little bit. I kind of felt like I didn't fit in society. I definitely did not fit in church when I first started looking for a church. Walking in as a single dad with a baby, and it was kind of like, hey, welcome, stay away from our daughters. You know, it's like social stiff arm, you know. And so I, there's times in my life, though, I felt like, man, I just don't fit. I, I'm I, I'm, I'm not like that. I'm not like that pastor. I'm not like that speaker. I'm not like that business person. I'm not like that father. The way that guy parents his kids blows. I'm, I can't do that. Like, Lord, I need your help. And that's the whole point that the Lord often takes people that you're right. You can't do it without him. That's the point. That's why he chooses you to do things that you think are beyond you. You're like, I'm not a good speaker in front of people. And then God's like, you're gonna speak in front of people. You're gonna have to lean on him. And I tell you what, you get asked to do something that you're not comfortable doing, that's gonna drive you to your knees in a prayer time with God that you would not normally have had, right? If I told you next Sunday you're gonna get up and lead worship for us, even if you have musical ability, for most people you're like, oh my God, you're gonna get down on your knees, you're gonna be like praying and fasting all week long, praying in the spirit, right? You're like, oh God, and you're gonna be rattling, right? And those moments that God has for you, he calls out, no, that's part of your destiny. Like he calls you into those moments that are purposely uncomfortable. So uh, I just want to encourage you today, what's something uncomfortable God's calling you to do in this hour? What's something in your life where the Holy Spirit's putting his finger on and he's calling you to do something uncomfortable? And I'm going to show you in a second a, a clip from a TV show called The Chosen that outlines this story. It illustrates this story. Now, mind you, it's an artist rendition. We don't make doctrine based on a TV show, okay? Although they have pretty solid theologians that speak into the, sh the writing of the show. But this is an artist rendition. This is an illustration, okay? But I, I, I want us to take a look at it as Jesus calls the disciples, by the way, uh, we have a QR code here, um, which we'll also send out, but you can scan that, and that takes you to a link. The creators of the show gave us permission to use it with part of our, my, our, our, our church family, our pastor, my pastor, his church, the network that we're a part of. They gave us rights to use this, and so uh, if you scan that QR code, then you have the link, and, then, and we'll also send that out, by the way, to the text at that text platform that we use, Authentic. Um, we'll send that link out to you as well. But you can watch it for free. It's awesome. And so we're going to make it available. But this is, a, this is a TV series. This is a TV rendition of the calling of Simon Peter. Here you go.
put that down for a catch. A little farther out. I don't have a quarrel with you, teacher. But we've been doing this all night. Nothing. All right. That's your word. brother and the baptizer. <laughs> you are the Lamb of God, yes? I am. Depart from me. I am a sinful man. You don't know who I am and the things I've done. Don't be afraid, Simon. I'm sorry. We, we've waited for you for so long, we believe. But my faith, I'm sorry. <laughs> Lift up your head, fisherman. <laughs> what do you want from me? Anything you ask, I will do. Follow me.
You as well. Yes, you, James and John. Come, follow me. I'll take the fish into market and settle up Simon's death. I'll get some help to fill both of these boats. Are you sure? Yes, go. What will you tell Ima? <laughs> You've just been called by the man we prayed for our entire lives. And you ask me, what will I say when you miss supper? <laughs> Go, now! So, you sure you don't want to do this just a few more times? Well, we'll make a great team on the boat. Son! Joking. <laughs> Fish are nothing. You have much bigger things ahead of you, Simon, son of Jonah. Did you understand that parable I told earlier? From now on, I will make you fishers of men, and you are to gather as many as possible, all kinds. I will sort them out later. Come on, isn't that awesome? <laughs> I love how the portrayal of it, Jesus says, you just gather the fish and let me sort it out. I'm grateful for a people and a community that just let me come in and let me kind of discover God and grow at my own pace without putting a bunch of religion and rules and you gotta do this. There's so many rules, some churches, right? It's like, you're a Christian, that's so great. Okay, you can't watch that movie, you can't do this, you can't eat there, certainly you cannot have food at a bar. I don't care if you're drinking or not. You can't do that, and I'm just like, whoa, good gosh, you know? And it's like, come on, like, relax. And Jesus is just like, forget all that stuff. Come and follow me. I just have a couple thoughts today, just a couple takeaways for us to embrace as Jesus people. Number one, Jesus people, we live out the phrase, but at your word. But at your word. Jesus people are the ones that say yes, even when we don't have all the answers. <laughs> because he said yes, even though we weren't all put together, right? We live out that phrase. No matter what, I don't think I can do it, but at your word, but at your word. God, I'm gonna do this because you've called me. Nevertheless, but at your word. Let me just bring this home for you. Sometimes in marriage, as amazing as you may think I am, uh, I, I can be not the most fun person to be with, but my wife, thank God, has said, Lord, nevertheless, but at your word, I'll stay married to him, right? <laughs> Nevertheless, but at your word, it means that I'm not going to do what I want to do. I'm going to yield to what his word says and what he wants to do. I don't, I, there's certain things, yes, you need to pray about, but there's a lot of things you just need to be obedient <laughs> to what the word of God says. What's God putting on your, what's God calling you into? Jesus' people live out the phrase, but at your word. And I'm so grateful that God does not just call the qualified, he qualifies the called. That God is looking for your availability, not your ability. 
Sometimes we think the people that get used by God, the people that God can really do something with, they're the ones that have gone to seminary, seminary, <laughs> cemetery, seminary for eight years of their lives and they got more you know, degrees than Fahrenheit and they're uber smart and man, they're cool and they're funny and they're great communicators and you can look at different people and go, those are the ones who God uses but there's nothing in the scriptures that would speak to support that which you thought. And I've had those thoughts before, you know, and comparison is a destructive force. Destruction lies in the seeds of comparison. Destruction lies in the seeds of comparison in your life, in your marriage, in your health, in your weight, in what you look in the mirror. When you're comparing yourself to somebody else, you've lost. you're, You're already at that disadvantage. No, no, we look at our lives through the lens of the word of God. What does the word of God say about me? What does he say about me? And, but there's not, it's not like, only perfect people or these types of people, whatever that type of person is that get used by God. We forget how many times throughout the scriptures that God used ordinary messed up people that just said yes. I said, okay, I yield. I, I, uncle, I'll say yes to you, God, right? And so I'm, I'm just gonna list out a few of them <laughs> to help remind you if you're here. Jonah, Jonah ran in the exact opposite direction of what God told him to do. God said, Jonah, go here. He's like, yep, not happening. And he just went the other way, right? But God used Jonah. Noah, Noah was the father of all drunks. He, he, he's the first one to read about in the Bible. He's, he's in the ark for a long time with his family members. That can cause a lot of people to drink. And so Moses is like, the first thing I'm gonna do, I'm gonna plant a vineyard, I'm gonna watch these grape grows, and every day I'm gonna go and make sure that those grapes are growing good because I got a plan for those grapes at the harvest time months down the road. And Noah, the father of all drunks, God used him. Abraham was 100 years old, way too old to be used by God, right? And God's like, go to babies are us, Right? He said, I want you to take, but no, Abraham's like, I'm old. And he's like, I want you to take Sarah, who's also old, 100 years old. One translation said that her womb was as good as dead. (laughs) And he's like, I want you to put on some soft music and cook her a meal, and I want you to go make a baby with her. I mean, that's just nasty. That's just, you know, (laughs) no offense if you're 100 years old and you're, you're playing Marvin Gaye tonight. I mean, you do you, boo, but you know, I just don't want to know about it. Jacob was a liar. Gideon was afraid. Moses was a murderer. I mean, like, think, think of this. He comes down from the mountain with the Ten Commandments. One of the commandments is don't murder. I, and here he is. I mean, if it was me coming down from the mountain, I would have been like, and here's the nine commandments from God, <laughs> you know? And God uses him. Rahab, she was a prostitute. Samson, he liked prostitutes. <laughs> David was an adulterer and he covered it up with murder. Elijah was just plain depressed. Isaiah, Isaiah walked around and preached for three years naked. As long as I'm the pastor of the church, I promise you that will never happen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thank you. We're going to keep our clothes on in this place. That is one rule. That's one rule we are going to keep, right? John the Baptist, he ate bugs. Clearly the guy was probably, I don't know, one of those gluten-free, paleo, keto guys, right? Jeremiah. Jeremiah, you read Jeremiah? Dude is so emotional. 
probably took bubble baths, drinking a Chardonnay, listening to Yanni and scrolling through Pinterest, right? Like that, that's Jeremiah, right? Super emotional. Peter, the one that we're reading about and talking about today, he denied later on in his life, he denied even knowing the Lord. Denied it. Nope, nope, nope. Zacchaeus was too small. Thomas, too negative. Lazarus, we got excuse, we're talking about excuses. Lazarus was flat out dead for three days. Dead. Dead. He stank, right? Just an example, right? Excuses are like armpits. Everybody's got two and they all stink, right? He was stanky dead three days and God still used him. If you don't feel like you can be used by God because of your story or what you've done or not done or what happened or what happened to you, the answer is totally false. God can use every single one of us. Just say, God can use me. God can use me. So I'm just telling you, as the pastor of this house, get over it. You're gonna be used by God. If you're gonna be here, we're gonna make it so uncomfortable for you that we're gonna find out the gold that God put inside of you and we're gonna make you play the cajon, sing on the worship team, hold the sign, work in kids' ministry. I mean, we're gonna find a way for God to use you and encourage you to use your gifts that he's placed on your life for his glory, amen. The second takeaway for us today I wanna remind us about is Jesus' people, we call out the callings in others. We call out the callings in others. Jesus looked at him and he didn't see a broken down fisherman that may or may not have been good at fishing. He saw a young man and he saw something inside of him that says, I can, I can change the world with this one. And sometimes we can go through life and get jaded and cynical. I know I can. And be like, well, that's happening because, you know, you reap what you sow. And so they're going through difficult times, but dude, they've, and that's an ugly place to be. But Jesus' people, we're called to call out the callings in others. Yesterday, I was driving back down. I spent the last few days with my pastor up in Northern California. How many of y'all know it's good for a pastor to have a pastor? <laughs> and so I was up there with my pastor for a couple of days, and they had a, a youth night and kind of a, a conferencing for young kids, and some of my boys were there, and so it was kind of a man-guys trip. And so um, because, uh, because I was the father of two of the boys that were part of the junior high crew, uh, I got elected to be youth pastor Jeff and oversee this whole role of junior high boys. And so I'm there keeping the peace, you know, with the junior high boys. And, and it was awesome. There's like 1,500 young people, and they're just going all out for God, and it was beautiful. And so yesterday morning, we, we drove down, and, and you know, driving down from Northern California, it's like, you know, seven and a half hours of your, of your life that you'll never get back, you know. And so we're driving on I-5, and it's a parking lot, and we're getting down, and we pull off to the side of the road, and we get some really healthy food, jack-in-the-box. Sorry, babe. So we got, I got the boys jack-in-the-box, and so we're just pounding curly fries and everything else, you know, and having a good time. And there's, there's a guy there, and he's with a gal, and they got a young child, and, and they kind of look like they're just ready to party, and, and I get to talking with the guy, and hey, what's going on, and where are you from? And he says, we're from, you know, Washington, and we just came from Vegas, and then we're going to go up to San Francisco, and I'm like, man, that's awesome. You guys are doing a tour. He goes, yeah. He goes, actually, it's our honeymoon. And I'm like, okay, cool, and you see his wife, and I'm like, oh, and you guys have a child, and I'm like, okay, what's the story with your baby? And the mom says, oh, she's mine, you know, she's mine, we got married, you know, I'm like, that's so awesome, and share my testimony. I say, well, I was a single dad when I met my wife, and man, God can redeem it, and blah, 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 and we get to talking. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, he's a pastor. And, and, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> and the Lord's like, putting it on my heart, remind him he's a pastor. 
Like, and he's just mowing on his food and his daughter's all over the place. And his, you know. I said, hey, man, I said, I don't know if this hits home with you or not, but I just feel like God prompted me to tell you, uh, you're a pastor. And he went, okay. I'm like, is that, and I'm thinking, does this resonate at all? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and he says, you know what? He goes, uh, when I was younger, I used to go to church. Actually, I preached when I was 12 years old. And I'm like, you're kidding. He goes, no, man. He goes, I would be so freaked out. But once I got up there, it's like I felt peace and I, I could just do it. He goes, and I actually really enjoyed it, you know? And I'm like, well, do you go to church now? And he's kind of like, ah, no, kind of. And the wife's like, no, we, I mean, we, we visit, some, we don't go to church. And I'm like, all right. I said, well, I feel like God's telling you that you're a pastor. What do you do for a living? He goes, I work in construction. I'm like, dude, I own a construction company, you know? So we get to talking about that. And I said, can I just pray with you? And I just prayed over him. And when I prayed, I didn't pray to him as a newlywed dude that was partying it up in Vegas, that's married to this girl, and they're on this road trip. And I didn't pray for him like a construction guy, and that's just all he's going to do. No, I, I prayed over him like I was commissioning him into the ministry as a pastor in the middle of Jack in the Box, right? I'm like, <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, I don't care who's around me. Yeah, I could care less, you know. I used to care. I don't really care anymore. And so I'm praying over him, and, and he was so grateful, gave me a hug, and we said goodbyes and everything. And, and, and I was moved. That was before I kind of had this point in the message. But I was like, man, Lord, as Jesus people, we need to do, I need to. I'll put it on me. I need to do more of that. I need to see people the way that you see them. I need to call out the gifting on their life. I'm going to have the band join me up front as we land the plane today. You know, one of the things that we say here at Authentic Church is this. It's life is short, eternity is real, and people matter most. And if you came in here today and maybe you're struggling with something, something's going on, there's something in this message that we just talked about, I know, because how good God is, it's hitting your spirit. It's like knocking on your heart. It's, like, it's just like a dart that just went thump and just touched you in a certain place in a certain way. And God in his loving, gracious kindness is just wooing you in and he's saying, you're called, you're chosen. All that stuff that you've gone through, I'm actually going to use that if you'll allow me. If you'll allow me to touch those areas, heal those areas, I actually want to use those areas. And he's got a calling and a destiny on your life. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.